Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Sure. You know, as the uh, VP of sales development for a large company, there is a lot of leadership that comes through, whether it's sales leadership or customer leadership. This rollout that we're doing of a very complex piece of software called Salesforce is rolling out to at least 200 outside salespeople plus 200 inside sales people plus support and staff. And without any kind of a clarity or direction, we can drift very quickly. And I'm finding myself trying to work with very opinionated adults and anyone who's leading a person or a team who are in management or supervision. I hope you can empathize with me or sympathize that this is not an easy endeavor. And the opinions, is that because they all think they know how to do it better? Um, what's the opinions, sort of the, the main themes, if I can put it that way? Well, some people think they can roll it out better. Other people are, why are we even doing this? Mm. And so the resistance comes from a rollout where this is change. People are afraid of change, whether it's change in management, change in direction, change in software. And we're doing all of this. And it, it can be a little bit, uh, a little bit of a pushback. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, change is not just about a organization doing a restructure. It could be anything that we're doing. As you said, direction, it could be a brand new system, processes being put in, technology coming along, even just people changing our roles and things like that. There's changes everywhere. And it's how people accept that change and then move forward. And I think there's a big thing that, you know, there's a program that I do, and it's more about how do we actually lead change? Because one thing is for us to go through change personally. But the other thing is actually for us to lead the change. And I think it's quite interesting to see how that happens. And I've got a program that I, I deploy and deliver to, to leaders and get them to start thinking a little bit differently and starting to move forward, which is, which is interesting. Now, Kurt, how did you get into leadership? Mm. You know, I've, I've tried to find my place in the world by trying to volunteer at first for any type of position that would get me into a leadership role. Mm. Going through college, getting into my early careers, even wanting to be a professional speaker on leadership, I was mentored early on that when my mentor said, I understand you want to teach about leadership. Are you doing any leadership? And I had to reflect back on thinking, no, I'm not leading anything or anybody right now. So over many, many decades, I found myself leading organizations, volunteer organizations. I just got back from doing a men's retreat where I was leading 33 people serving about a hundred people. And there's a lot of leadership in all different kinds of eclectic natures. And I just kind of gravitate toward that and just learn as I go. Yeah. Awesome. And when you say you learn as you grow, 
what do you learn? I mean, if you're actually there to help other people, are you learning at the same time? How are you learning from, from their experience? I'm observing and I'm understanding. I'm trying to become a student of psychology or a student of behavior. As you just said in the beginning, Dennis, that change management, you have a program to help leaders in change. Change is so fearful. Even if I'm just moving from left to right, mm. from the left hallway to the right hallway, people are stopping and saying, we've never done that before. We've never done it that way before. Why are we doing that? That's an honest fear reflex on people. And I need to slow down and coach them as to the why, even though my behavioral style is I'm very much a driver, do it my way because I said to do it my way. Well, I found that that is not working very well in 2022 when there's so much sharing and collaboration that could take place. Yeah, it's interesting to see how the human behavior or the way that people react to certain situations. And you're so right. I mean, it's the why is one thing. And I think what you are as being a driver, that's the what. And then if I think about the, the how, there's the analytical people who are wanting to know what the steps are and when are we going to do, you know, what's the next thing, where are we going in the plan? So you're having to cater to all those different people as well and, and coach them through it as well. Kurt, I find that the word coach is really interesting with a lot of leaders. I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well as that there are people out there who tell people to do things versus those who actually need to coach people. How are you finding that the difference between those two things? I'm finding that we're still in a slippery area where there are still people who gravitate to the authoritative leadership of a militaristic style, do this because I said so. And then there's a whole group of people who are revolting against that type of leadership and they're looking for collaboration. They're looking for coaching. Myself, I started with the authority complex. I'll do it because you're my boss and you asked me to do it. Now, as I'm getting older, I'm asking more can you give me a reason why we're doing this? And, you know, Simon Sinek is a phenomenal writer who wrote a book of, it starts with why. Mm. And, and if we can at least try to articulate why we're about to do what we're going to do and then repeat it, rehearse it, reframe it, recolor it, we will slowly get more people to adopt it rather than the militaristic, do it because I'm the authority figure. I think that's just having a hard time sticking to that. Yeah, I love it. I love the way you've actually shared that about the reframing, the recoloring. You know, I love that. I think that's that's spot on. Now, here's a question for you. Now, this person could be alive or from history. Now, who's your favorite leader and why? I really struggle with that question, Dennis, because there are leaders for different things. I think back of the people who I really like. I like Martin Luther King because he led a movement and that movement was very emotive. I like Tony Robbins because he's a leader in a motivational standpoint. I like a man who leads his family because that's the tradition I come from. And so there's many, many different leaders that I see and I respect because of that. And I think we're, we're kind of in a vacuum right now. We hear about people who are leaders, whether it's more of a motivational or more of an inspirational social or even a, a religious, and then they go and they fall and they are hypocrites, and they do damage. And that damages all of leaders. We all get slapped in the face as we stand in line with that. And it's really difficult. And so I pick my leaders based on what they do and how they're doing it for that particular scenario. John, a big warm welcome to you. Thank you so much, Dennis. Pleasure to be here, man. Cool. What's the name of the uh, actual organization that you're co-owner of? Oyova. 
Oyova. So yeah, okay, good. That's good. Very good. And what do they do? We're a digital marketing agency and web web and software development companies. Mm. So yeah, help companies grow, scale, and then build systems to affect top line and, and bottom line revenue through efficiencies. Oh, awesome. Now, one thing I always ask my guests is, whereabouts in the world are you today? I'm in sunny St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, very cool. Oh, nice. Is it sunny? <laughs> Actually, it is. Yeah, uh, it rained a little bit this morning, but I went out for lunch and yeah, it was quite sunny. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, because we're coming out of summer here in this part of the world, and then you're, of course, into spring, and then things are changing. But, you know, most parts of the world, they're in spring, but it's still snowing, or the snow's just starting. It's like, what the heck's going on here? A little bit confusing uh, for a lot of people. Hey, um, so we've given a little bit of a background to the listeners about you. Is there anything else you want to share about your background? No, I guess, yeah. I mean, I grew up, you know, a home builder and carpenter's son. So the way that I look at things is through like building a really strong foundation and, you know, all the pillars for for integrity. So it's, you know, being on a construction site from the age of like six years old until like 18 or 19, that, that's a lens that I think is, uh, is served me a lot of value throughout my life. Yeah. And, you know, being a leader and today, you know, building a foundation, how is important? What do you think? Is it important for a leader to build a foundation as a leader for them to be effective? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to let everybody know where they're at and and, and where you're at. So that's what I think is a really good foundation. And I, I call it in getting in rhythm with people or whatnot. But limbo as a contest is designed to be uncomfortable. And when people feel that they're in limbo, that's you're letting people suffer around you. Yeah. So I think it's really important to just have a rock solid foundation through trust and, and being genuine with those around you. So they understand all right, who you are, what you're doing. And there's a level, you know, setting of expectation. So they know uh, where they're at with you. Yeah, cool. A, a little bird has told me that you're not conventional. Is that correct? <laughs> No, I would not say that I'm very conventional now. No, yeah. No. There's always a better way? There always is a better way. Yeah. And I and I got that. I remember just I was very challenging when I was a child and people would say, this is the way that we would do it. Or you're always trying to find the easy way. And then you would shame yourself and then you get older and you're like, well, yeah, that was the right way to do it. Yeah. I've been, you know, you're fighting it all along, right? Just your instincts. So yeah. there's always a better way. And And I think all successful companies, the greatest companies have a board, right? So I think that type of dialogue with your company, whether you can have a board or not, or, or mentors or coaches, is, is really important because you can remove the emotion from a situation and get that other perspective because you're typically too close to it. So I always challenge the people that I work with in my teams, like, okay, is there a better way that we can be doing this? Okay, mm. if not, all right, let's just continue what, doing what we're doing. Mm. And I think it's really important, you know, that we are, as leaders, thinking about that. And if we can do it a better way, there are dangerous words out there I keep talking about it all the time. That is, but we've always done it this way. And I'm like, right. yeah, that's dangerous. You know, can we, let's think a little <laughs> bit differently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, John, how, how did you get into leadership? Well, so the quick story is I was I worked for my father and he he fired me in front of a group of people. I was going to college with this guy at the time. He gave me a job and I was thrust into thrown to the wolves to head up a, a lot of their sales and their marketing at a really young age. And it was sink or swim. So at that point, just had to move forward and do the best I could. And I think a lot of it came organically through trial and error. But then along the way, I really, it's something I really began to study looking at courses and of course, you know, reading books and then emulating specific people and saying, okay, this is what's working for them. That's what I want to go ahead and take my buffet and not even so much even putting the words leadership on it, but just 
how can I guide these people, get what I want, and in return, give them what they want? And at the end of the day, will they follow me? And that's essentially kind of the beginning of it. Yeah, I think it's a good way to look at it. If you could look at what others are doing really well and sort of to adopt some of that. But then also, I think the other side is what they're not doing well, or you see a leader that's not that great, and you go, okay, that's the kind of person I don't want to be like. So that's even, a, <laughs> that's, that's quite good too, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I Yeah, just some leaders, you know, I had an, an old boss. And yeah, the guy was like wildly unorganized and just like would never show up on time. And he would he would be late for things. And that just irritated me to the core. And it's something that I, I try to endeavor to do always be on time communicate when you're not going to be on time and make sure you always show up you know you have people that are habitual plan cancelers to me that is one of the the worst traits and the worst signs it's just yeah you have no decisiveness and it's just a really bad signal to those around yeah it also shows me that you don't actually have really any very good discipline That's it. yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah now here's a question for you now this person could be alive or from history who's your favorite leader and why I say that my favorite leader that's alive right now would be Toto Wolf, the the chief or general manager of the Mercedes Formula One team. That guy is just super impressive. Mm. Yeah, it's just incredible what he's been been able to do. And then, I mean, there's so many that that have passed on, and I don't even know if they were even like really great leaders. Some of them, but just you know, people that you try to just emulate. As far as like a, a communication person, I was always amazed by how prodigious Ben Franklin was. So. So that's probably, uh, if I had to look at a, a dead leader, somebody that I would try to emulate. Obviously, you haven't met Ben Franklin. Also, have you met the the Mercedes Formula One guy? No, I have not. No, so no, that guy is incredible. If you were to meet one of them and be on a park bench somewhere having a coffee with them, what would be one question you would ask them? Hmm. I think what motivates them, like right? So yeah, just based on how much they're trying to achieve. And then I think the other is, what is their relationship with control? Because I've noticed the most successful people, there's this ability to let go of control and, and just really trust the team around them to get these things done. And to me, that is just, it's, it's amazing. Not that I'm a control freak or anything, but we our anxieties go up the further we are from an outcome if we genuinely care. So that's something that I believe they're a bit stronger at that or quite, quite stronger <laughs> at that than I am. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.